Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Whatever job you need to do out there, grab the right tool to get it done. The new F-150 with an available hybrid engine and up to 7.2 kilowatts of pro power on board to power things on the go. It's not a tool you'll hang in a tool shed, but you can certainly use it to build one. The new 2024 Ford F-150. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024. Optional features the owner's manual for important operating instructions. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I still have a little ways to go, I'll be honest. You know, um, I think there's there's uh, there's some things that, that you know, I'm still, still kind of working on, but... Um, but it is what it is. Are you 100%? <laughs> no. Monday edition of Pro Football Talk Live, December 21. I used to love getting the paper as you get closer and closer to Christmas. There would always be a little Peanuts cartoon reminding us of how many shopping days there were left until Christmas. Just a reminder of your own inadequacy of how right. you failed to properly plan for the looming holiday and you better hurry up and go out and spend money or you will be even more inadequate when the 25th rolls around. And with that, we say happy Christmas week, Pro Football Talk Live, Sirius XM 211, Peacock, NBCSN, Sky Sports NFL in primetime, 7 o'clock UK and Ireland and podcast whenever, wherever, however. Good morning, Chris. How are you today? I'm doing well, Michael. How are you today? I, I mean, I'm you know, listen, it's it's Monday morning. Um, I'm I'm just shocked and appalled by, you know, just the fact of how you could throw your team down the river. You're gonna wear a Bears shirt today, the day after your football team. I just I'm 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 just questioning the man I once knew as a loyal person. I don't know about him right now. I'm really shocked. Never you, you 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 never knew me all that well. I picked the Bears to win yesterday. And they won, and I, I and I had this on yesterday. Yes, you to did. support my pick of the Bears. Yes, and I know that there's photographic evidence of it that was going to be used against me today. So I figured I would diffuse that by just wearing it again. And I was too lazy to find something else. So here we are. I can't say I slept in it. That would make it even I, better. Are you I didn't sure? Sleep in you it. sure you? I didn't? didn't sleep in it. Okay, all no, right. I, I just want to make sure. But uh, that was by far not the game of the day the game of the day came in new orleans in the superdome the chiefs and the saints got together you saw the little piece of drew Brees talking about the fact that he returned to action just five weeks after suffering 11 fractured ribs a collapsed lung jay glazer of fox spoke to Brees on saturday Brees said he wasn't 100 percent and he couldn't get another scan to see how healed his ribs were or weren't because of concerns that he's been bombarded with too much radiation and possibly could become the Incredible Hulk if he continued to bombard himself with radiation because he'd already had three scans of his torso previously. So they didn't know how healed the ribs were. He was going based on how he feels. He's not 100% as he admitted. And it looked that way. And Chris, this is the basic analysis. Starting quarterback, backup quarterback. What percentage are you willing to tolerate below 100 of your starter before you go with a 100% backup? And Taysom Hill has played well. 
I'm stunned, frankly, that they went with Breeze because the eyeball test says the guy's not right. Yeah, they almost won, but the eyeball test says the guy's not right. They almost won because their defense did enough to hold down that Chiefs attack. Their offense did what their offense normally would do, score points. I'm just I'm surprised that Sean Payton, who is a genius of geniuses, would allow Drew Brees to, by all appearances, kind of muscle his way back onto the field. Yeah, well, agreed. And the offense wasn't what it always is, right? I mean, let's not forget they got a safety, they got a short field, you know, score at one point too that helped out their football team. But I think the point is like the first thing you said, Mike. I mean, first off. It didn't look like he was comfortable being out there, let alone like what he looked to us like as a football player, because that was less than no, there's no doubt about it. But at no point during the game, did you ever feel like he felt comfortable in the pocket, making throws, making decisions? I mean, some of the early throws, decisions, and even sacks, there was a lot of double clutch. Am I seeing what I think I'm seeing? Should I throw it? Should I pull the trigger? You know, should I move in the pocket? So, yeah, from that standpoint alone, he did not look comfortable, and he did not play well. And because of that, even though the Chiefs weren't playing great, like, you knew, I don't know, I never felt like the Chiefs were in danger of losing the football game because of that. I, I, th that was a big aspect of the game. And, you know, I think you bring up a, big, a, a good question. You know, it, Sean Payton's in a really tough spot there. You got a legend, you know, first ballot Hall of Famer who says he wants to play. What do you do there? I, I don't know. That's really tough. But obviously, he wasn't close to 100%. I don't think he was really at 90%. And, you know, in a lot of ways, it really affected their football team in some big moments. There's no doubt. And now you got to turn it around and play another game on Friday. I mean, what do you do this week when it's clear the guy is less than 100%? You're going to have people in the locker room that are giving the head coach the side eye thinking, why are we going with a diminished physically 41-year-old quarterback when we all saw, we all witnessed, we all felt what it was like when he was out there and he didn't feel comfortable and it was obvious he didn't feel comfortable. He had five incomplete passes to start the game or I think it was six. He had never been 0-6. That's what it was. 0-6 before in his career to start a game. He had an interception among those first six passes and he should have had another one. His first throw of the game was picked off by... Daniel Sorensen until a teammate collided with him and yeah, knocked, knocked the ball out. out. His hand, and, right. and and on the broadcast, it's like they didn't even notice it. They barely gave in. It's like, dude, the first throw into double coverage, and he's lucky it was double coverage because if it was single coverage, it was getting intercepted by the guy who was right there to get the ball. I mean, that was the first clue that something's not right. It it got worse, then it got better. But but this is the Chiefs. You can't have. You're starting quarterback at less than 100% and expect to outscore the Kansas City Chiefs, period. No, no, you cannot. You know, even the Chiefs on a day where, in a lot of ways, the Saints beat their butts in a lot of areas. I mean, we saw Patrick Mahomes under about as much pressure and get hit as much as I've seen him hit in his career to this point. You know, it, it was a day where, yeah, he made magic, but he didn't make magic happen nearly as often as we're used to seeing. I mean, the Saints defense did some good things. You know, like you said, it was there for the taking. It was as far as how they match up with them and, you know, catching the Chiefs, but their offense needed to be play an A effort or, you know, an A minus type of football game. And and realistically, I think if we sat here and graded the Saints offense and Breeze and everything together, no, that was a, a C effort, a C plus effort, really. And the statistics for Breeze C plus. Yeah. I mean, C plus. <laughs> but but Mike, I don't know. Like, really though, what do you do if you're Sean Payton? What do you do there? Okay, Drew Breeze comes to you and says, Monday, I think I can play this week. I want to play. I want to play. Hey, Drew, what? where do you think you're at? Well, I don't know. I can throw. I'm not 100%, you know, which basically means I'm not even really 90% either. But where, where where, do you go with that? You know, I like it's like Coach Dungey said on the show last night. You know, when your stud, your star, your ace comes to you like that, as a coach, you got to just kind of trust them and ride with it. And I, I don't know if you're, you know, in a, in a you're in a no-win situation if you're Sean Payton there, really. You study film. I study people. Yeah. I study facial expressions. I study demeanors. I study the way the words are delivered. So let's study, shall we, Sean Payton after the game discussing the performance of Drew Brees. 
offensively, we didn't start real well. And so it's hard to just, obviously you can point to one position, but I felt like our third down numbers weren't good enough today. Um, I didn't feel like we ran the ball uh, efficiently when we tried. Um, you know, give Kansas City credit. Um, we battled back in the game, but you, you've got to be better on third down. And, and when you're not, you don't have those attempts. You don't have the, the snaps, the time of possession, all, all the things you need against a, a good offense like that. You know, we talk about time of possession in a game like this, and that, that includes converting third down. So overall, offensively, we weren't very sharp. So it was spread around. It wasn't focused on Drew Brees and this question, this core question, fundamental question, with the game looming in just four days. The Saints don't have a short week game this year per se. They didn't have a Thursday turnaround. They had a Friday turnaround. So they get a little more time than they would have if they had played this game on Thursday. But I don't know if that one day is going to make a difference. And we don't know what kind of additional damage Drew Brees may have done just out there moving around and whether and to what extent he got banged around. It's not like it took a big hit that had anyone saying, oh, my God, he's not going to get up. But this really will be a challenge for Sean Payton. And the one thing we know is that no one will know exactly where they're going to go on Friday until we get closer to Friday because Sean Payton has indeed mastered the very delicate, difficult art of getting everyone to shut the – F up when it comes to who the quarterback is going to be. We saw it with the Taysom Hill, Jameis Winston question five weeks ago. And then last week, Peyton himself on Wednesday. And you know what? He didn't know how right he was when he told reporters that Drew Brees still has a ways to go. Yes, he does. But at the same time, Brees was taking all well, of the first okay. team reps on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Well, I do that. That is like that to me. I, I thought about that last night. See, that, that to me is where. And I don't remember the timing of last week, but just real quick, like, did he say that before practice? You know, was that a Wednesday morning press conference? I couldn't remember that specifically either because that co- comment was made in such a way where I, I just, it, it's, it was, I, I don't know. I mean, he guess he's a good liar or a good BSer if that's, that's the case, if that was the plan all along. But I, I just felt like it was such a, no, he's not quite there yet. You know, did Drew Brees come in and go, wait, no, no, I am there yet. I'm going to play this week. I mean, and did that happen? Or was this the okie doke the whole time? You know, it was I, the okie doke. It, it was the okie doke. All right. Well, there's no yeah, okie doke this I think, week. Drew's going to be playing. No. <laughs> well, and and uh, I think it was Ian Rappaport yesterday that, that made the okie doke 100% clear. To the extent the report is accurate, I'm not saying it isn't, but we're, we're taking the leap of faith here. Uh, but I'll give him the benefit of the doubt that this was the plan all along. As of Monday, the plan was... He's getting the practice reps all week. He's the guy, period, end of statement. That's it. Right. And it was just a day before Monday that Jay Glazer of Fox said that the Christmas Day game against the Vikings is the more likely target for return. And I guarantee you Glazer got that straight from Peyton. Yeah, so, I agree with that. Uh, sorry, Jay. Jay doesn't like it when when we say those things. It's it's 4.11 in the morning in the West Coast. Don't even want to tell him that I said that, and hopefully he won't watch Tweet it. Tweet at him, everybody. CSN. Do it now. <laughs> but but because uh, he will fly here, he will fly here. And the what, the first day I met, let me just uh, tell you a story. I probably I don't know if I ever told you this before. The first day I ever met the guy was yeah. early two thousand nine in Tampa Super Bowl week. Mm. And he walks up to me and he put his thumb right in this spot on your throat. Yeah, I know. Right, it's a wrestling thing. By your right. Yeah. And he pushed and he pressed it in, and and I like couldn't breathe for two minutes. So that was my introduction I like this to the guy story. Oh, without any good. without any reason to, to upset him. So if he's upset, I'm getting more than the thumb in the trachea. Yeah, well, so anyway, hey, don't tell him know, I said that. Jay Glazier's California UFC tough. You're just West Virginia soft. What can we say? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, but anyway, but anyway, Peyton pulled it off last week. And you're right. Is is it not gonna is it not gonna be Breeze? I mean, yanking breeze for hill yeah that's right there's no way this week would be a thousand times worse than never letting him back on the field in the first place i i, I think so in a lot of ways i mean it just it would one it would go it almost shine a light on the situation like you shouldn't have played drew you were selfish from wanting to play you know now it, it, it was that bad and you're banged up to you know we want to take you out once again you know either way listen it was a tough situation they battled as they always do the new orleans saints you know Two, 
they'll be able to sell to their football team if they do play in the Super Bowl and match up again that, hey, we weren't at our 100. Drew wasn't at 100%. And look, we still only lost by three points. So in that aspect, too, there was no belief loss that they, like, don't belong in the field with them or anything like that. But, you know, within all this, too, you know, we, we talk about, of course, the, the Chiefs' offense and everything they do on a weekly basis. Got to give the, the Chiefs' defense a little credit in the game, what they did yesterday. I mean, you talked about some of the dropped interceptions. You know, Breeze's stats are, are a little misleading. 15 for 34 really wasn't as good as what it actually was. It was worse than that. You know, there was probably, what, legitimately – Four in your both your hands dropped interceptions. Tyron Matthew had the one in the end zone, right, that he dropped. But their playmaking, and the big thing is to me with Kansas City, Mike, they played a game where they said, no, 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 we're going to stop the run. Drew Brees, you're going to have to beat us. That's what they did. I mean, that was the game plan. There's no other way around it. It was stop Alvin Kamara, stop the run. Drew Brees, can you beat us in the pass game? And, of course, Drew was not up to that task yesterday. But we've seen Kansas City, that D, even though they're middle-of-the-league average, man, when you ask them to rise up to the occasion, stop the Titans and Derrick Henry in the AFC Championship, stop Shanahan and, you know, Garoppolo and all the running they do in the Super Bowl. And now, you know, a game yesterday it just shows you they're, they have some championship-caliber aspects about them where they can rise to the occasion and, and be physical and beat the best offenses up in football a little bit. You know, 15 for 34, I thought you misspoke. 15 for 34. Right. That is, according to Pete Demolitis, the lowest completion percentage for Drew Brees since 2006. It's 44%. Yeah. 44% stunk in the 70s. 44% nowadays when the bar is 70%, right? You're, you're doing oh. great if you're 70, and if you're above 70, you're awesome. 44% is, is – and, and it's – Look, the passer rating formula, I, I like it because it goes back years and it's apples to yeah, apples. It has some but stuff how do you get it. an 84? An 84, now again, 84 used to be not a horrible number. Nowadays, 84 is kind of like, man, you stink. But uh, you got an 84 rating and 44% passer rating. Three touchdown passes. Yeah, three help, touchdowns but, do it. And, and only one interception. Like you said, dropped interceptions don't show up on the stat sheet for the quarterback. That's more next-level analysis. And uh, the bottom line is Drew Brees was not Drew Brees yesterday. And uh, But for a heroic effort by the defense to take some of the steam out of Patrick Mahomes. Now, they didn't take any steam out of the running game. You saw that number, 179. That's awesome. And, and they got shredded the week before by the Eagles. So credit to the Chiefs to pivot to an obvious yeah. weakness that emerged based on that game against the Eagles. It, it, that's, I mean, the Chiefs, you know, malleable that way. Wow, big word for me on a Monday morning. Well, well but done. but well amazing, done. though, you know, just another thing here where, oh, hey, it's kind of been a defensive, we need to run the ball, play an ugly type of football game. No problem. Okay, no big issue. You know, that, that to me is the other thing that is just dangerous about the Chiefs. I know, we. I feel like we say this every week. But they still haven't played their best game. I don't even think they played close to their best game. I mean, yesterday, I really think the Chiefs played a B, a B game for what they're capable of doing, you know, all in all. But it just showed on the road, hey, we got to do it with our defense and run the ball. Well, we could do it that way, too. It's just amazing how they do it. It, it really is. And uh, there's, there's a toughness and just a belief within their football team. Um, but I will say this. I, over the last few weeks, am concerned about the, the lack of pass protection for Patrick Mahomes. I said this on my podcast last week where I, I wrote, you know, there's too many times in my notes here lately I'm writing, you know, bad pass pro, Mahomes avoids it. You know, we, get, we sometimes forget about how bad the pass protection is because he just makes it look so easy how he weaves and goes and in and out and then oh boom and there's a 40-yard pass and we just we forget he was under duress and he made a 40-yard throw to a receiver but it's about this is 3 or 4 weeks in a row now where it's a little concerning it's a little much mike how many times did they run sprint plays yesterday right the sprint right sprint left all of that that was because Andy Reid had no faith in their ability to block the the pass rush with the Saints so that's a little concerning for the Chiefs as we go down the stretch here we heard from Sean Payton earlier. Let's hear from Patrick Mahomes on winning close games and at the tail end, a little Andy Reid on the team's offensive line. Here they are. 
you got to be able to win games in this league. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's it at the end of the day. I mean, it looks cool and it feels awesome to win by 20, 30 points. But when you have a team that can find a way to win with their offense, the defense, and special teams um, every single game and find a way to win no matter what the score is, those are the teams that make runs at the end of the year. Listen, we score points and um, against a good defensive front. I mean, you're talking about one of the best defensive fronts, if not the best right there. So statistically, and, and um, you know, I thought we ran the ball efficiently, especially the second half, and uh, we, we threw the ball uh, well and uh, with the exception of a couple of blitzes they had, we you know, they got us on the one at the end there, but we, we were pretty clean um, for the most part. You know, there were a couple where they got the quarterback, but fairly clean. You know, you're right, Chris. We're so accustomed to seeing Patrick Mahomes run around. He's buying time with his feet. He's making the offensive line look better because even if the protection collapses, he knows how to get away from them. We saw a big hit yesterday applied to Mahomes. It created a fumble in a short field for the Saints when the game was still in doubt, and right. it helped make it a little more interesting. I mean, it was 29-15, to 15, and it just felt like, well, it didn't feel like it. It was the the truth. It was one moment away from it being a blowout. Yeah, that's what it, it felt like, right? Fifteen. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I'm with you. But I mean, this is it's commonplace. That's why the Chiefs are frustrating. I just feel like we've said this, you know, probably five, six weeks in a row, where you go, man, they're one drive or two plays away from just blowing this team off the field, and they let them hang around. But you know, it, it, that's a little concerning. Listen, he's capable of overcoming you know, pass rush. We know that. But the way it's been the last few weeks, I, I, you know, no, I think they're playing with fire a little bit. You know, the good thing is, like he said, they ran the football. They did things like that. They were patient. I mean, when have we seen the, the, the Chiefs yesterday? 92 offensive plays, 4.5 yards per play. That just shows you they were going to be patient and just take what the defense gave them and all of that. But uh, it, it's something at least to keep an eye on down the stretch. Running game improving. You know, Le'Veon Bell was great, but pass protection and keeping Patrick Mahomes clean, you know, a little a little scary here uh, at the end of the season. Le'Veon Bell picked up 62 rushing yards and a touchdown. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, 79 yards. He had an injury at the end of the game that looked bad. X-rays were negative. That's only part of the story, though. Yeah. Until you do an MRI, you don't know what damage there may be to ligaments and tendons and other things. You mentioned the concept of the Chiefs playing with fire. Chris, the Chiefs are the guy at the circus that juggles fire and swallows a sword that's on fire. I mean, they live in fire. I, they thrive in it. I, they look, do. Look at last year in the playoffs. You got to spot the other team a 10-point lead before the Chiefs even wake up. And they're so used to it. And part of it is the psychology on the other sideline. They know when they see that red helmet with the arrowhead on the side and the KC in it that that no lead is safe and that the Chiefs are going to find a way. And when the game is on the line, it's going to be 15 running around, hair literally on fire, sidearm pass, something spectacular that's just going to completely deflate you and defeat you. And that's the way they are. You're and right. until somebody breaks that. Now, can the Bills break that? Maybe they can. Yeah. Can the Steelers break that? Maybe they can. Can the Ravens break that? Maybe they can. We'll find out in January. No, I mean, Mike, I, you're right. I, you know, again, that's I'm not picking against them. I know that. I'm not. I mean, there's just not any team in football. I'm not taking the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes and company. I mean, really, you know, all that needs to be said, just to your point, you know, they, they've won. They've won at Baltimore. They beat the Patriots. They've beaten Buffalo. They've beaten the Raiders. They've beaten the Buccaneers, the Dolphins on the road, the Saints on the road. I mean, the resume is really phenomenal. I mean, you can't really argue it. It's not like they squeaked by and, oh, hey, we're 13-1 and one and we got one of those lucky years where the schedule fell right and we've played a lot of crappy teams for some reason. No, they played like some of the best teams in football. It just doesn't matter. You're right, Mike. I mean, I, I, it's just frustrating because I want to see that A or A-plus game to see what they can be you know, at their ultimate, because I, I just think it's, it can be scary, good and fun to watch. Uh, but I don't know, you know, it's like a good tease. I guess it keeps me wanting more and more and tuning in every week. After they won the game last night, I posted this question on Twitter, Chiefs or the field for Super Bowl champion. I just retweeted it. 19,000 votes so far. 
56.2% the field. take the Chiefs. Yeah. 43.8% I mean yeah. take the field. Yeah. yeah. And and look, for me, it's it's Chiefs versus the field. Give me Chiefs to get to the Super Bowl. And when you look at the NFC, it's you know, look, I, I, I hate to agree with your initial take from back in September that the Chiefs were going to repeat, but but there's no one out there that I think can rise up and do it. Now, if they do, great, great story. Awesome. But the Chiefs have set a standard that no one can match. We saw the Raiders catch them napping 40 to 32. It takes 40 points to beat them, right? They scored 32 against the Raiders. They scored 32 against the Saints. You got to score more than 32. You got to get 35 or more. You got to get 40 if you're going to have a chance to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. That's just the way it is. Yeah. And who's able to do that in January? For now, there's not a belief that anyone is going to be able to pull that off. Steve Kornacki's playoff picture from last night. The Chiefs, clearly the one seed. I, I, They're not going to blow the one seed. It's not clinched yet. They're not going to blow the one seed. The, the Saints have blown the one seed over the last two weeks. They've lost two in a row. The Packers keep winning. It's not over yet. But the the Green Bay magic number is one right. to have the number one seed. They've got the Titans on Sunday night, which will not be easy. And then they've got the Bears to finish the season, which may not be easy. No. Hey, my Bears are my they're, Bears are your on Bears fire are playing right solid. Now. Yeah, they're playing good football. I mean, their their offense has turned the corner. It's amazing the change they've made the last few weeks. So yeah, that's not going to be you know any guarantee for the Packers. But but it is looking much better for the yes. Packers than it was just a couple of weeks ago when they trailed the Saints by a game in that race for the number one seed. And obviously this year the number one seed means you're the only team per conference to get the bye week. And then the road to the Super Bowl, as it always does, will go through your stadium, which may not mean as much this year, but it still means something. Lambeau Field versus Superdome in January, that means something. And there it is, Green Bay's chances now, 76%. The Saints actually have a lower chance than the Seahawks for the number one seed. Seahawks at 15. Their chances jumped 10% yesterday. New Orleans plummeted from 21 to 8. The Packers, without playing on Sunday, in great, great shape to be the number one seed. Obviously, they beat the Panthers without a really impressive showing. Big lead no. that they held on to in the second half right. on Saturday night. It's almost like those Saturday games didn't even happen when you have 12 games on Sunday to to wipe the palate clean from the Saturday games. But, you know, the Bills incredibly impressive and the Packers initially impressive, but at the end of the day, they weren't. And that the thing about the Packers, and I don't care if they're the one seed, the two seed, or the three seed, they are prone to one of those games where you're scratching your head. Yeah. And they lose, and then afterward, it's all—it's the same old quotes. You know, you, you could—you can give Aaron Rodgers the little laminated cards. He could be like John Gruden after Thursday's game. You—you you weren't on Friday, and we were having fun with that. No. Gruden had note cards at a post-game press conference. Who the hell takes note cards to a post-game press conference? But anyway, you can just give Aaron Rodgers the card. We know what he's going to say. We lacked energy today. We were too slow to get going today. It was yada yada. They're—they're they're prone to that. Which makes it, I think, even more intriguing that they're the one seed because it's by no means a gimme that they're going to win two home games at Lambeau Field. No. I mean, that's that's why this year is crazy. It's why I picked the Chiefs to win at the start of the year because I just went the one thing I know about this crazy year of 2020, no offseason pandemic, is that Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and that offense will be ready to go. There's no great defenses in football this year. That's why, like, your question before about, like, the Chiefs and the field and all of that, you know, defense, yeah, I don't know. You're right. Like, teams like the Saints, I, you know, I mean, yeah, they can beat the Chiefs. We know that. But it, it is about you're going to have to score high points. You know, it's going to have to be upper 30s, low 40s type of thing. And that's where I, you get into it again and you just go, man, in the AFC, you know, I know – Tennessee's explosive on offense and capable, but I, I I don't know. Buffalo is that team I look at right now who was on the rise to where I go, okay, in the AFC, they might be able to get in the shootout with Kansas City and, and go, you know, toe-to-toe -to -toe with them. I don't think there's – I'm starting to go be a believer that way in Buffalo. And then the NFC, you talk about that, that's where, the, like, the Rodgers-Wilson thing comes into play. I mean, again, you're right. They're, those, they're, they're susceptible to sleepwalking. They're not a great defense. Teddy Bridgewater doesn't fumble on the goal line going in. Who knows what happens in that game the other day? I mean, it was ripe. It was ripe for an upset for the Panthers. It really was. But you know, in those big moments, and this year with no great defenses like we talked about, 
you know, Wilson, Rodgers, those kind of guys can take over games in certain moments. And I think that's what we're going to see here in the playoffs a little bit. Before we take a break, do you feel better about the Bills' chances of upsetting the Chiefs if the Bills are the three seed and get them in the divisional round or if the Bills are the two seed and get the Chiefs in the championship round? Well, wait, if they were the three seed, they could still not get them in the divisional well, round, right? Right, but right. let's just assume. All right, forget about the let a three seed. Let's assume three seed and the way it works out, they get in the divisional round versus being the two seed and definitely not seeing them until the championship round. Which do you? I feel like you got a better chance catching them sleeping not after that, the bye. Not that you're not that you're going to catch them sleeping ever in the postseason. Right. I feel like you got a better chance to put the sword into the dragon coming off of the bye week and in the divisional round without a berth in the Super Bowl being on the line. Well, that I, makes I, any yeah, sense. I, I I hear you. I think they're you know we we've seen that. I think you're right too. A lot of the times, a team like that, Buffalo, if they did play a you know wild card game. They've come in. They know the intensity and emotions in which they got a match in a playoff game. And sometimes that divisional home team, you know, isn't ready for that. They, they, whoa, we had a week off. We were sitting at home watching TV last week. Whoa, I forgot we had to get to this level in this type of football game. And we saw last year. I mean, it's one fourth and one Billy O'Brien going for it. And maybe we don't see a comeback from Kansas City. So, I mean, to your point, I yes, I would rather – face them that first game maybe you catch them sleeping rather than the AFC championship game where they've got a game under their belt and now they know what's at stake and you know the 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 dragon is awoke uh as far as what they can get and I agree with you if the Texans had scored the touchdown to make it 28 instead of 24 nothing it would have had a much different vibe but you know what the Chiefs still would have probably won that game probably. they still would have once the dragon is awake and breathing fire the fire in which they reside constantly and comfortably. Once that happens, it's over. The town is gone. That's it. Go home. All right, we're going to take a break. When we return, uh, some more developments from Sunday. The Browns win. The Seahawks hang on. And the L.A. Rams, as we all expected. Oh, wait. What? The L.A. Rams did what we didn't expect. We'll talk about all that coming up next year on Pro Football Fox. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. You'll look at the, the game uh, afterwards and realize the red zone efficiency, our defense uh, making those stops is extremely important. And we were three for three in the red zone. So, uh, yeah, Col Colt's a winner. He always has been. Uh, you know, I grew up in Austin, watched him play at Texas. Uh, he he's a winner. So uh, he he's going to always have whatever team he's playing for in the game. And so we just have to, you know, stay in there and realize that uh, as long as we don't go chasing waterfalls, we're going to be in the game. Oh, there he is, Baker Mayfield, with that little smirk. We had the feature last night with all the pop culture references he has made. Don't Go Chasing Waterfalls is a little bit dated, though, Chris. That that probably That's, was from a time before he was even born. I, I think you're right. I mean, what? how old is Baker Mayfield? 24, 25, right around there? I mean, Don't Go Chasing Waterfalls is like... That's Chris Sims' prime, like freshman years of high school, right there, right? That's nineteen flock of seagulls years. Nineteen ninety-five, ninety-six. I mean, yes. So whatever the hell the flock of seagulls are, yes, that was. It was those years. <laughs> you is, don't know what the flock of seagulls what is are. Flock that, of, that, I that, know that, it. that 
The song from oh, the 80s gotcha. with the dude with the blonde hair that was all piled up on top. That was you the night they put your dad in the ring of honor. Yes, you thank you. Seagulls thank hair. you very yeah. much. Yes. Um, all right. We probably have video of that somewhere. If we if we're allowed. I don't know if we're allowed to play stay that. On but, task, uh, here. Stay on task here. Stay on task. Bears fans. Keep it going. Message. Keep the show going. All right. Let's go. Um, <laughs> Browns defeat the Giants 20 to 6. And uh, it's, this is what the Browns do. The Browns do not mess around with an inferior team. And all due respect to the Giants, yes, you were in first place in the NFC East. That does not make you a good team. Even though you won a few games in a row against NFC East teams, that doesn't make you a good team. The Browns know how to get the W when they should. And I respect that. There are too many good teams out there that will periodically step in a pothole against a team that they should easily beat. The Packers are prone to doing that. The Browns are not. The Browns' losses this year have only come against teams that should have beaten them, and they've busted the narrative recently by beating the Titans and giving the Ravens everything they can handle. And last night was great because it reestablished the Browns on a short week, Chris, after they had that heartbreaking loss. It easily could have gone the other way. One loss could have become two, right? Well, they're back, and now they've got 10 wins for the first time since 2007. It's amazing, and they're on their way to the postseason. It's not clinched yet, and, and when you look at both the NFC and the AFC, there is a good team that's going to get kicked to the curb in both conferences, and the Browns are still in danger of being that team, but they've, they've reestablished, and Baker Mayfield has gotten better and better and better. goes back to the bye week. We talked about that last week. It was the bye week when they had a chance to reassess refocus, regroup, and understand what they were doing going forward, and it's worked. Credit to the Browns and credit to Baker Mayfield. No, uh, it is it's uh, it is amazing. I mean, they, they really have kind of found their zone. You know, Baker Mayfield, last few weeks, he's playing as, you know, quarterback as good as anybody in football. I mean, you really can't argue that. He's on fire for what he's doing. And you're right. Like the Ravens game, they took it as a positive, a positive step. You know, they took it as, and hey, we were really the better team on the field. They just had a crazy guy who was awesome, and he beat us. But there was still a lot of good in what they did. And, you know, they stamped that home with the performance last night. You know, again, last night, too, with Baker Mayfield, he's just throwing the ball perfectly, and then the decisions are, you know, quick and on point. There's no second guessing like we saw early in the year sometimes with the, the pumping of the ball and, you know, recocking it back a few times. You're kind of seeing them get back in the pocket. He knows what he's looking for, and he lets that go. And that Giants defense last last night, that, that we, we've talked about it a lot. Their D-line, it's as big as anybody in football. They weren't going to let the run game beat them. They were going to make Baker Mayfield throw the ball and have to do it. And the way he's throwing it right now and Higgins and Landry and everybody are catching the ball, they're tough to stop. You can see here with the stats. I mean, doesn't matter. Play action, down the field, blitz, whatever it is, Baker Mayfield's finding the open guy and hitting receivers downfield for big plays. And with the Colts and the Titans winning and the Dolphins winning and the Ravens winning, there was pressure on the Browns last night. If they had lost, they would have tumbled out of the top seven in the AFC. So they desperately needed that win. They did not play like a desperate team. The team that played like the desperate team last night was the New York Giants. Multiple occasions in range for an easy three-pointer. Oh, man. Either going for it or dusting off the playbook pages that had dust on them for a reason. Here's Joe Judge talking about the decision on multiple occasions last night to not take the field goal, but to instead be aggressive because we have to be aggressive. Field goals weren't going to win this game. So, look, I'm not afraid to call things aggressively. I'm not afraid if I think we have a good scheme and a kicking game to call a fake. I'm not afraid to run the ball in fourth and one. And we'll play to our defense at times. If we don't get that, we've got to go out there and stand up defense. Our defense has done that consistently throughout the year. We're going to play to the strengths of our team. But, look, I'm not afraid to call it aggressively. We went into this game with that mindset. So we've got to do a better job making sure we coach it the right way, execute it the right way, and come out with the results we want. Well, you know, if you close your eyes and listen to it, he talks a lot like John Harbaugh. At first, I thought it was Harbaugh, just hearing the voice. No, it's the, very the, similar. The, the rhythm the and the pattern of the voice. It, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But but look, against teams like the Chiefs, I remember when John Harbaugh's Ravens playing the Chiefs early in the season, got down close on the first drive. You got to get a touchdown. 
You can't get anything but a touchdown when you're playing the Chiefs. The Browns aren't in that same category yet where you've got to get touchdowns instead of field goals. No, you take the points where you can get them. You put the pressure on the Browns' offense. You slowly apply more and more pressure. You keep it close as long as you can, and then maybe you can steal it from them late in the game. This is not a team yet. Maybe they'll get there. This is not a team yet where you always choose touchdowns over field goals, Chris. That's my opinion. Do you agree? Uh, you, Mike, you know me. I'm I'm Johnny conservative when it comes to that stuff. I'm always the guy right on Sunday that's going, kick the field goal. Do, you know, play the game a little bit. We don't have to win it right now on play 17 of the first quarter where it's like, we're going to win the game right now, even though there's 90 more plays to go. For some reason, we're going to pick this one to where it's all going to be decided. I, I don't – we're in the, the age of analytics – and, you know, when it's right, it's, hey, analytics are great. When it's wrong, it's aggressive. And the analytics told me, what, are the analytics ever wrong? Are they ever wrong? I mean, because it just seems like they're always right. But No, they're never wrong. No, Numbers never lie. No, you're they're right. Always they're, right. They're I, always right. I know. You must defer to the analytics. But there's never a time where they, the, the analytics say kick a field goal. It's always go for it. That's the right decision. The numbers say go for it. I don't, you know, I go for it. Okay. But I, I'm with you with last night. This game was meant to be a defensive, run-the-ball, struggle type of football game. Joe Judge has been kicking butt managing football games. He manages games to a T. He really does. You know, I understand the aggressive approach and all of that. But, yeah, last night I was sitting there on my couch at home going, oh, kick the field goal. So what? Let's go up 9-7. You know, what's let's let's be down 13 to 9. I just kept thinking when they scored the late touchdown in the football game, I kept going, man, it'd be nice if the game was 20 to 12 right now. We'd still be in a one-score game. I'm saying we cuz I'm a Giants fan. So, I I just I'm surprised by that approach, especially, you know, early on they had shown the ability to stop the Browns a little bit and slow them down. It didn't look like there was nothing to scare you to go like you're talking about, "Whoa, we can't stop the Browns tonight." We got to score points and we got to score touchdowns, not field goals. There was nothing that said that. That that was that was my only complaint of the football game. I was just mad at that. At the risk of incurring the wrath of the analytics mafia, and let me preface my comments by saying there definitely is an important place in the game, of course, for this kind of next level nuanced. We talked about it last segment about Drew Brees. He only had one interception. Well, it doesn't reveal how many he could have had that were dropped by the defensive backs, but. But the notion that taking the outcomes of specific moments in football games, going back X number of years, thousands of iterations, to get to this final conclusion that it's 50.1% this way and 49.9% that way, the thing that we forget when we do that is that a coach doesn't have the benefit of thousands of opportunities to do that to the point where the trend favors him. If you're an NFL coach, you only have so many of these moments that if you blow them, you don't have a job anymore. So when you take the next coach and the next coach and the next coach and you run it over a course of a generation, maybe the trend goes against what the guy should have done. Yeah, right. But if you're thinking about now, if you're thinking about winning this game – and doing well in this season and laying the foundations so you don't get fired after two or three years, sometimes you have to go against the numbers. And that's okay. You have to have someone who's got the hands on the wheel of the ship and knows when to steer into the storm and steer away from the storm and know, I don't know enough nautical terms to come up with a good example there, but the point is the captain knows yeah. and needs to be trusted to know what to do and if we're going to let the captain's hands be tied by just one factor, when there are so many factors that are driving that decision-making, that's not good for the team. That's not good for anybody. No, I, I mean, that, 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 I think you explained it perfectly. You're right. There, there's a lot there, and it doesn't necessarily always take into account the particular circumstance of that day. Analytics are great, but it doesn't always – Oh, hey, is that taking into account it's a backup quarterback and a backup running back? 
you know, on a fourth and two situation? Does that like increase, decrease chances, all of those issues? Oh, hey, we're a little banged up on the offensive line. What does that do to that, you know, probability of, hey, go for it here in this situation? Okay, I know going for it in this situation, the probabilities are good, but how good are they when I, you know, are beat up on the offensive line and we got backups in? What's What's the probability go to there? That's just where I argue. It's a game where the Giants and Colt McCoy, we know they've struggled on offense. I mean, you know, they beat the Seahawks, yes, they struggled last week, but It's just one of those things where I looked at it like get some points early, get some confidence, just get the offense going. Instead, it became like, oh, man, put two decent drives together and came away from with nothing. Damn. You know, and that to me was deflating in the football game overall and and gave the Browns the confidence of kind of being in control throughout and never really being threatened that way. The good news for the Giants, they still are very much alive in the NFC yes, they East are. because the team that's in first place lost. Look, it was a great day for the Dallas Cowboys because Eagles lost, Giants lost, Washington lost, Cowboys won somehow. But the Giants, all they have to do is catch Washington because they swept Washington. So one game back with two games left, and we'll see how it plays out, but the Giants can still win that division. The one thing we know from yesterday in the NFC East, the team that wins the division will not have a winning record. So 8-8 eight and eight is the best we're going to get if Washington wins their last two. Everyone else has nine losses, and there's the Eagles with nine losses plus that one tie, putting them in the basement for now. Washington had a, a great effort, and there was a graphic yesterday that blew me away. You know, we're watching all the games at once, and yesterday there were eight games at once. So you see flashes and you see bits and you hear audio of only one game at a time, and I'm not the one who controls it. And there's times, Matt Casey, where it drives me crazy, but that's a different story altogether. I looked up to the upper left corner of the screen, and I saw a graphic that the Washington football team, which has been around forever, has only ever erased a 17-point fourth quarter deficit once in the existence of the franchise and yesterday was almost number two down 20 to three entering the fourth quarter they pulled it close 20 to 15 they had a chance and look credit to them for even getting themselves in position to do something that only been done once before in franchise history but it ultimately didn't work out the Seahawks hold on and Washington proving to everyone that they can play with anyone no doubt you're, you're exactly right you know the, the game you know it, when it got to 20 to 3 is a little misleading anyways it really is you know Dwayne Haskins early on hey he's young and he hasn't played a lot so he wasn't perfect early but as the game went on and he settled in he did some good things he really did uh, I mean it, it made me feel good for him certainly but one of the crucial mistakes of the football game and again, when you haven't played a lot and you're a young quarterback, you're going to do stuff like this every now and then. But it's six to nothing. It's the second quarter. It's late in the second quarter. It's a defensive struggle. You could tell that it looks like every Washington game we watch every week. Their defense is going to keep them in it. Can their offense make a drive or two to get them within the score? And then can their defense make a play and maybe score? Or, or can their offense come through in the clutch late in the game with some ugly drive to win the football game? That's what they do. It was kind of setting up that way at six to nothing. And Dwayne Haskins gets a little pressure. He runs to his right, throws that interception, right, Mike? As he's running there down in the goal line, wasn't a great decision to throw that ball. But the Seahawks intercept it, and that leads to a long drive. Russell Wilson broke a long run, a few passes. All of a sudden, they score a touchdown, and it was 13 nothing. And that's really the spot that hurt Washington. Yeah, they battled back, but. That game was looking like it was going to shape into some 16-10, 16-9, 16-13 type game, and it just got a little away from Washington there in that moment and made them play a game they didn't necessarily want to play. Still in first place with two games left in the NFC East. They win that division. That will be an incredible accomplishment for a team that is rife, or at least had been rife, with dysfunction. When we return, the team that was the official source of all dysfunction in the NFL this year. Finally found a way to win a game. Congratulations, New York Jets, and also condolences. You don't get Trevor Lawrence now. We'll talk about that next on PFT Live. I've got to do a better job getting us ready to go, Gary, and and really it, it was in all three phases. It wasn't good enough. 
Um, this loss will demoralize us only as much as we allow it to. It's going to be embarrassing, sick to your stomach about it, uh, but we do have two games left, and, and we've got to find a way to respond and rebound on a short week. You know, not really a short week, but, but this week um, as we get ready for the Seahawks. But that was uh, very humbling, and it's going to be humbling, but uh, we're going to move forward, and uh, that's exactly what we'll do. That's all I know how to do. You know, there's an attitude embedded in Sean McVay's comments that the Jets uh, are hot garbage. And uh, look, they're still an NFL team. They're still an NFL team. They, they, they hadn't won a game, but they're still an NFL team. And you got to be ready every day when you play an NFL team. Rodney Harrison was talking about this last night in the digital thing that we tape after the halftime segment. And, you know, he said, well, I put this on the players because they have to be ready. The coach has to have the players ready. The coach has to sense in the locker room, that the guys are being a little lackadaisical, that they're lollygagging the week of practice. They think this is just a little pre-Christmas, right? It's Christmas week. Let's just check this box. It's the Jets. They stink. They just got blown out by the Seahawks. They had their chance to win a game. They blew it. This is going to be easy. We're the Rams. Well, what what a what a, a, a stark reminder right. for the Rams that you can lose any given Sunday, and now their chances of winning the division have been screwed up significantly. Well, that's the the big thing is, like you said, first off, it's the NFL. The difference between the worst team and the best team in the league is like a handful of plays. And, you know, I think college football sometimes, you know, distorts our perception of those type of matchups, right? In college football, you see a team that's 9-4 and four playing a team that's 1-13. and 13. You go, well, they're going to win by 50. That doesn't mean crap in the NFL, to your point. So you're exactly right. There's still a lot of big-time players on that Jets football team. And the Rams, listen, lack of playmaking on the offensive side of the ball is just an issue. You know, Jared Goff is not capable of making anything happen when McVay's special doesn't work. It's the same old, same old. And, you know, they yeah, they're down 17 nothing. You let up a block punt, and then the following drive, Jared Goff throws an egregious, horrible interception, and now it's 13 nothing. And I don't care who you are. I mean, you make mistakes like that, you're you're going to be in trouble. And, and the Rams didn't play well, made a lot of mistakes uh, yesterday. I, I would love to attach Sean McVay to a lie detector test or at least go get him drunk and find out what he really thinks about Jared Goff, right? Um, they they kind of got pushed into the corner to sign him to that long-term contract. And it he, he's, he's yeah. Uh, yeah. Look, we've said it. We don't need to say it again. Right. I don't think he's the quarterback they need, and it showed itself yesterday. Quick break. Superlatives next on PFT Live. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.